How's everybody? My first question to you this morning was going to be, are you going to be listening to me or to the alarm outside? That was my <laughs> first question. But can we just, just rest for a moment? There is no alarm. Isn't it nice? <laughs> Isn't that a nice feeling? Isn't it amazing that when we uh, suddenly get the silence taken away from us, that we, we appreciate it so much more when it comes back? Isn't that interesting? Um, so I'm giving a uh, final talk in our series of Being with Jesus. Can I have the first slide up, please, Charles? That'd be amazing. Um, we've been talking about this uh, for a number of weeks now, and um, my original title that was given to me was Being with Jesus, colon, Summary, which I thought was hilarious because uh, summarizing being with Jesus is, is nigh on impossible. <laughs> okay. I've been uh, a believer uh, for around about, I'm just trying to think now, over 30 years, I was brought up a Christian in the church, and I gave my life to Jesus over 30 years ago, and I feel like I'm right at the very beginning of my walk with Jesus. That's how it feels. And it feels like I'm, I'm more at the beginning every year than I go by, if you know what I mean. So to summarize being with Jesus is really, really difficult to do. Um, but I want to give us a few thoughts today about some of the things that we've been learning about as a church family, about uh, different ways that we can be with Jesus, different ways that we can walk with him, and talk, uh, maybe revisit some of those ideas so that we can think about them again, and then give us a few different other techniques that we can use in order to be with him. Uh, that we maybe can try over the next few months as we kind of launch back into our, our normal lives. The summer is always a little bit of a, a time to rest and relax, and you know people are away, and, and that's great. But come September, it's all going to be crazy again, always is. So, so how can we be with Jesus in the midst of that as we come into uh, the end of the summer? So let me start with a question to remind us why we're here. Have you ever tried to be like Jesus? Has anyone ever tried? Hands up if you've tried. Hands up if you've succeeded. Keep your hand up. There we go. They've all gone straight down again. (laughs) It's hard, right? Does it work? Does it work to try to be like Jesus? The answer is it does work for about 45 seconds or so. I don't know about you, but I can can manage to maintain a mental state, which I assume must have been the mental state of Jesus as he walked on the earth for around about 40 seconds, and then it just all goes to pot because stuff comes in my head, and I'm like, oh, no, I've I've sinned, and I feel guilty that I've sinned, and then it's just a mess, and I can't do it. So, So being like Jesus, even when in our own thoughts, let alone our own actions, is difficult. It doesn't really work. Uh, The only problem with even trying that is that we could put things in place in our lives in order to try and be like Jesus. We could could be very strict with ourselves. We could make sure that we only follow certain rules and certain practices and certain ways of living. Um, The problem with that is, is that we end up in a really legalistic sense where we are being with Jesus through sheer or being like Jesus through sheer effort. And then we get in a right mess. Um, because if we try and be good, if we try and uh, not sin, um, the, there are two problems with that. The first problem is the problem that happens if we succeed, and the second problem is the problem that happens if we fail. Okay, so let's take failure first. If we try and be like Jesus and we fail, we feel miserable and messed up because we've failed, right? We're useless at being like Jesus. If we succeed in being like Jesus, even for a moment, what's the first thing we feel? It's pride. <laughs> We're like, oh, wow, we've managed to feel like Jesus just for a moment. Um, look at me, aren't I great? I've clearly made it or succeeded in some way. And then we've sinned in our own pride. So it seems like uh, the way that it is for us is that it's a little bit like walking across a mountain path. Okay, following Jesus is a little bit like doing this. Can't really see that there, but there's basically uh, a cliff on one side and a cliff on the other side as well. Uh, the first cliff on one side is 
um, guilt at failure. Okay? Um, and the second one on the other side is pride at success. So it's like when we're walking with Jesus, we're walking um, with constantly thinking, are we just going to stumble in one direction where we feel guilty because we failed? Or are we going to uh, feel proud because we have succeeded? Um, so the question is, is, what do we do? How do we even take a step? This seems really treacherous, a really difficult thing to want to do well. How do we be like Jesus? How do we... Uh, take on some of his characteristics and his traits as followers of him. What do we do? Should we just give up? Well, the answer is no. There are things that we can do. There are some things that we can do to take steps on this rather treacherous mountain pass that we have to take. Um, The first thing we can do is simply to do what Jesus commanded. What was the first command that Jesus ever gave to his disciples? A bit louder. Love, love people? No, not earlier than that. Follow me. There we go. That was the first one. Um, the first command uh, was to follow me, to be with him. Let's have a look at that. So this is taken from a biography of Jesus in the Bible called uh, the biography of John, because John wrote it. There are four of them in the Bible. Other people call them Gospels. This is right at the very beginning in the first chapter of that biography. Um, these are two people who had been following a guy called John the Baptist who had basically told everybody that he, who would listen that Jesus was coming, and then he pointed him out, saying, this is the guy, go and follow him. Uh, so those people went over to Jesus and said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He replied, come along, see for yourself. They came, saw where he was living, and ended up staying with him for the day. So the main command, the first command, the, really the only command that Jesus gives to his disciples early on when they're just starting to follow him is simply, follow me, come be with me. Come be with me. Come hang out. Come and spend time with me. Okay. So that is the fundamental thing that we can do to be like Jesus. We can be with Jesus in order to be like him. Now, we have a fundamental problem with that, don't we, as people who are trying to follow Jesus 2,000 years after he walked the earth. In some ways, it was easy for the disciples to do that. They just walked, followed him, right? It was easy, you know. Uh, they, could, they could come along and be with him. Now, it wasn't, didn't remain easy, but it was easy to start. It was easy for them to do that. We have a fundamental physical, logistical problem here that we can't simply follow him physically. Um, so how do we do this? Um, well, it turns out the disciples did end up having this problem, the same problem that we have in terms of following Jesus. After a while, they could follow him around the earth, but after a while, they realized that they couldn't do that any longer because he was going away. So what I want to do is go from the very beginning of his life uh, and walk and, um, on earth to the very end where he's talking to those who had chosen to follow him. They'd been following him for about three years, and this was the last night that he spent with them. Again, from uh, the uh, Gospel of John, or the biography of Jesus that John wrote. Um, So this is what Jesus said um, to his disciples when they were worried about the fact that he was telling them that he was going away. They didn't know what was going to happen. They certainly didn't know he was going to be killed the next day. Um, So this is what he said to them. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So if you remain in me and I remain in you. The word remain there means abide or live in me and live and I live in you. Uh, Then this is a uh, a fundamental change from walking around with him. He's talking about a new way of being with him that would survive him actually leaving them physically. 
Um, he wanted them to remain with him. And he wanted us, and, and he was sorry, he wanted uh, to remain with them and live with them. And they couldn't really understand this because they were like, he's going away. How do we live with him if he's going away? But he's actually saying that we should continue to live with him. And a little uh, earlier in the conversation, he's given them a clue, although I don't think they got it at the time, of how this was going to be possible. And he said this, uh, I will talk to the Father and he'll provide you with another friend so that you will always have someone with you. Uh, The word friend there can be translated advocate or counsellor or comforter. There's lots of different ways of translating that word. And and what Jesus was referring to is the Holy Spirit, uh, another part of God. Uh, that we um, uh, that, that's part of the kind of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that we know. So the other word that's interesting is the word another. Okay. Now, how many different ways can you use the word another in English? Uh, the answer is you could uh, um, use it in two different ways. Okay. So you can think about things that are. Uh, think about it in terms of shoes. This is an analogy that that um, the guy who used to run this church, who cry, used years ago, and I think is brilliant. Um, when my wife goes into a shop and says, I want another pair of shoes, um, what she means is, I have lots of different pairs of shoes, and I would like a different pair of shoes that I can wear on a different, a different time. Okay? Um, so when I go into a shop and say, I want another pair of flip-flops, I mean I want this exact set of these exact flip-flops, uh, but I want another one just like these, okay? because these are actually worn out. If you look, there's actually a hole in them. <laughs> Because I've worn them so much that they've actually completely gone. So, therefore, I want another pair. I want the same pair. Okay. Now, sometimes I want another T-shirt or another top or whatever. But usually, when I want something, I want the same thing. Usually, I'm, I used to wear the same clothes, and I tend to replace those clothes. Whereas, Ellie's quite different. She, uses, she wears lots of different types of things. Um, so, there are two ways of using the word another. Okay. There's another the same and there's another as in another variety of, or another type of, or a different type of thing. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, which version of another is actually referred to here? Well, luckily, Greek is much more precise than English, and the word that is used in Greek is parakletos, I think I pronounced that right, which means another the same, okay? Which means that when Jesus is saying he is giving you another friend, he doesn't mean someone else, he doesn't mean some random person, he means another one of him, which means that actually to live in him means to live in the Holy Spirit, means to live in this friend that he was talking about. Very difficult to understand for the disciples. Luckily for us, with the benefit of hindsight, this is a bit easier, but still quite hard to understand. This idea that we can live in the Holy Spirit or live by his Spirit is a a difficult thing to understand. What does this actually mean? What does it actually mean to walk with him? Um, Now, before I get to that, though, uh, let's look at living by his spirit. Now, if we were to live with him, this is the key to becoming like him. Because, quite simply, you become like the people you hang out with. Okay, so the answer to this whole thing is to be with him so that we become like him. When I was uh, 19, I went to spend two months in America. And I spent two months um, in Southern California. And I remember after around about six weeks, people would tell me, "Um, but you... uh, you're from England, right? But why don't you have an accent? Um, and the reason this is because in my slightly um, impressionable ways, I'd actually taken on a Southern California accent, which I'm not going to attempt now, um, uh, which was uh, really quite weird because ultimately I'd almost lost some of myself. I'd lost some of my Britishness in being in Southern California for six weeks, talking like people who had um, American accents. And I, I basically sound like a Southern Californian. 
Um, so this is something that some people do. I mean, many, many of you will, will, will be like this. If you go away for a little while, you end up speaking in the accent of the people who are there, and this is something I definitely do. Um, and it, to be honest, it sounds a bit weird, and, and I wish I didn't do it, but, but there we go. It's certainly something that I do. And it's true uh, for uh, any of us, with the people that we hang out with, right? If we hang out with certain people, we'll become like them. Okay, this is why, as parents of teenagers, we worry about their friends, right? And we worry about who they're hanging out with, because we know deep down that this is true, that we become like the people we hang out with. Okay, so the more we hang out with certain people, the more we become like him. The more we hang out in society, the more TV that we watch, the more we'll become like the things we watch on TV. The more... um, books we read of a certain type, the more we'll come, become like those books or start thinking in the same thought patterns as those books. Um, the more uh, different types of friends we hang out with, the more we hang out and the more we become like them. Um, this, is, this is just a true thing about us. Um, so the great news about this is, is that the more we hang out with Jesus, the more we live by his spirit and live within him in some way, um, the more that we can become like him. Okay, so how do we actually do this? How do we physically do this as people? If we have this uh, chasm uh, on one side and chasm on the other side that we're walking very carefully in order to be like him, how do we make sure that we don't uh, fall off one side of pride and fall off the other side? Um, the answer is if, we are simply, if our goal is simply to be with him, then it's very difficult to fall off one of those kinds because we're not trying to be good or we're not trying to be kind or we're not trying to be gracious or we're not trying to control ourselves all we're trying to do is be with him and then let him do the other stuff let him do the kind of work of changing us and transforming us okay now if we are to look at how we could be with him when uh, he is no longer here on the earth physically with us uh, then one thing that we can do as a clue as to how to do that is to look at how he spent time with his father through the Holy Spirit while he was on earth, if that makes sense. So Jesus often would spend long periods of time alone with his father, and he did all sorts of other things as well as part of his culture in order to connect with God who wasn't physically present. And we can do the same. So these are what's known as the practices of Jesus. It's quite, it's quite simple. That's what I, I quite like to call them. Um, I saw this from a guy called John Mark Homer. Uh, but the practice of Jesus uh, is what some people call spiritual disciplines. Okay? These are things that we can do that connect us with Jesus or connect us uh, with the Father. Because they connect to Jesus with the Father. Okay, so we might as well do them. Um, Come and be with me is the command of Jesus throughout the ages. And part of that is to come and do what he did. So therefore, we look at what he did and we try and do that. It's really quite simple. You know, we have four stories of Jesus in the, in the Bible, four different accounts of things that happened to him and what he did and went around. So actually, if we just read those and did what he did, then we'd be fine. Um, now, that's a bit harder than that. So let's try and unpack that a bit. But ultimately, it's quite simple. Um, so the reason I don't like the word spiritual disciplines to describe this is because it, it, it just, for me, there's a couple of things wrong with it. One is that it isn't fundamentally spiritual in the sense of only being about something in our heads. Okay, it's very much about the body as well. And sometimes we can get a little bit confused about, you know, we, we do live our lives on earth. And then sometimes we sort of take ourselves off to a place, maybe like church, where we, we are thinking about Jesus in our heads. And then we are going and living our lives or doing our things. Uh, without uh, thinking about um, 
about him at all. So the spiritual I find difficult because uh, I don't want to get away from the fact that it is grounded in physical reality. These things are very physical, uh, these practices. Um, the other thing is, is the word discipline uh, is, sounds a little bit strict, sounds like... Uh, something that happens to children or, you know, naughty schoolboys. It's like, it's, it's a bit, it's, it's not necessarily a life-giving word in our culture. But practices of Jesus is much simpler and more descriptive of what these things are. But if you feel like using the word spiritual disciplines, that's totally fine. But it doesn't necessarily, for me, communicate what these things are. Um, so the disciplines or practices are, allow us to place ourselves before God so that he can transform us. Okay, so let me summarize where we've got to so far. Okay, many of us are trying to follow Jesus. Many of us are trying to be like Jesus. However, it is impossible to be like Jesus through sheer effort. Um, Because when we do that, if we succeed, we get proud. And if we fail, we feel guilty. So it is literally impossible to do that. The only real way of being like him is to be with him. That was his command to us. To be with him, do the things he did. Okay, and also... Uh, at the very end of his life, he promised us uh, through his disciples that he would give us someone to help us do that. Um, so be, by living by the Holy Spirit, which is the friend that Jesus promised to us, uh, is the way to be like him and to be with him. Okay, so the disciplines or the practices of Jesus are ways of, in, of us basically doing that, um, getting like that. So we talked about lots of different practices over the last uh, four weeks or so. Um, we've got, talked about... Um, the idea of silence and solitude, which is what Paul was talking about last week. We've talked about uh, how to read the Bible. Stephen mentioned that last week, uh, the week before last. Um, but I wanted to highlight three of these areas. It's almost like a little grab bag today of, of ideas of ways that we can be with Jesus, that we can uh, practice being with him over maybe the next uh, few months. Now, what I would love you to do is, is listen to these, ask the Holy Spirit whilst we're talking about which of these things he might want you to incorporate into your own walk with him. So the first one uh, is amazing at revealing things that control us, that make us feel uh, or or bind us up inside. Um, The second one cuts the heart of dull and non-existent quiet times. And the third one uh, kills busyness and its capacity to basically completely uh, stop us from being functional. Um, Now, all of the three disciplines I want to talk about today fundamentally cut against Western society. So be prepared for that, okay? Uh, Being, but to be honest, being in Western society causes us to become like a Western society. Uh, Being with Jesus causes us to be like being with Jesus. So let's do the practices so we can be like Jesus, not like society. However, that means that fundamentally, in my own heart, and I'm sure in many of us here, this is a bit of a great, it's hard because of our inbuilt uh, culture that we have here as Westerners. Uh, so we'll just have to see how it goes. So not, a, not all of these will necessarily be very easy to follow out, uh, but they are life-giving. So first, I want to cut to the heart of things that control us and basically stop us from being functional and effective. The first one I want to talk about is fasting. Now, often uh, people, when they say fasting, uh, we, we seem to have commuted this idea of fasting uh, in our society, I often hear people say, oh, I'm just going to fast from TV, or I'm going to fast from shopping, okay, or I'm going to fast from something else, or I'm going to fast from my phone for 12 hours in the day, you know, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., or something. <laughs> you know, I, I, often, I often hear this kind of, this idea, and I think, well, that's good, you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but how about fasting from food, okay, for 24 hours? Let's not lose the idea of fasting from actual food, 
okay, which is fundamentally harder, okay, than fasting from something like TV. Um, it, this, this particular discipline is difficult. It's especially good if we have trouble with self-control of thoughts, self-control of actions, or in what's known as a sin of commission, which basically means doing something that you shouldn't be doing, as opposed to not doing something, if you see what I mean. So um, uh, people who uh, struggle, for example, with lustful thoughts or pornography, um, this, is, this is a great discipline to, to kind of build into your life. Um, so a few points I want to make about fasting. Um, Firstly, I'm talking, when I'm talking about fasting, I'm talking about abstinence from food um, for about 24 hours. Usually 24 hours is about right. And, and also abstinence are from things like tea and coffee and fruit juice and alcohol um, and just water, really, for 24 hours. Um, so first thing is, is I, I really want to impress upon you, don't think that this is a shortcut to dieting. Okay, um, if, if we fast in order to basically get thinner, that's not really fasting, that's dieting. Uh, fasting is for the Lord. It's giving up something that is, is important to us and nourishing to us in order to prefer him over that thing. Okay, um, so can I encourage us never to do it except to pray and to spend time with God, not for perceived health benefits. If you are tempted to fast because you want to be thinner, then don't fast. It's as simple as that. Only do it when you are ready to do it because you really want to do it for him. Um, now, the second thing is, is that fasting can be really difficult. Um, so I, I have done this in the past. I'm not especially, I haven't, I haven't done it for a while, I have to admit. It, it's not something that I'm especially good at. I don't think I'll ever be particularly good at it. Um, so uh, fasting is, uh, can be quite a difficult thing to do, but perhaps that means we should do it. Perhaps that means we should try it. Perhaps we should take the hard road sometimes rather than the easy road. And it's important also for me to say, however, that for some people, fasting is actually medically inadvisable. Um, if you're pregnant, for example, or if you have um, pre-existing medical conditions, please don't fast. <laughs> because it's not, this is not something that you have to do. This is just something that Jesus did as part of his normal life and that he assumed that we would do. It says in one of his uh, message, longer talks that he gave, when you fast, do it like this. Which means that he was saying, you know, obviously you're going to fast, so when you fast, do it in this way. Um, so it kind of should go without saying that, that this is something that Jesus does, but we should do it as Jesus said, which is basically means don't go on about it, don't make a big deal about it, um, but, um, but also it's not like a law. You don't have to do it anymore. You know, this is not something that you have to do. If you're pregnant and, or if you have another pre-existing health condition, don't do it. It's as simple as that. You know, you're not going to be uh, thought of as any less of a Christian for not doing it. If you're unsure, check with your GP. Um, there are a few ways of, of getting into it. One way that can be helpful is um, maybe the first time you do it, do a partial fast. So say, okay, I'm going to spend 24 hours. I'm going to, I'm going to drink tea. I'm going to um, drink coffee and I'm going to have fruit juice or something like that. Okay, and maybe if you've got time, spend the time that you would be prepping food, praying instead, um, for example. And see how that goes. See how your body feels about it. Your body could be screaming at you about that, um, but it'd be interesting for you to kind of see. And maybe the next time, uh, drink only water. Um, so there is a few things that happen to us on the inside when we fast from food. The first thing is it really does reveal what controls us. Okay, when I first started doing this, I did this regularly for... Um, for a little while, a number of years ago, um, every week. And the first thing that I realized was that uh, it was, uh, I was really cross about the fact that I was fasting. I was like, I'm cross, I don't want to fast. I, I'm, I know I want to do this, but I don't want to do this. I'm really angry and I want to eat, is pretty much how I felt. 
Um, and, um, and I got angry with my kids. I got angry with my wife. But, you know, and they hadn't done anything. It was entirely within me. You know, um, and I, I remember thinking, why do I have to do this? This is ridiculous. You know, and, and that, kind of, that kind of feeling surfaced in me. And you know, I, I felt after a while that, that um, or rather, I, when I first did it, I had a sense that I was angry at something or angry at the lack of food, whereas I realized actually that the anger was in me. It was my own in- internal anger that God was just bringing to the surface. And so I just thought, oh, Lord, just help me. Help me in this. This is not easy. You know, and it's okay to feel anger. And it's okay to feel emotion. But the anger inside me was, was slowly being kind of brought to the surface so God could allow it to evaporate. Um, the second thing is if you uh, are fasting, spend lots of time in the Bible. Because uh, if, if you remember uh, when Jesus was being tempted and he had fasted for a long time and, and the... Uh, the enemy said, turn these stones into bread. He said, um, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So therefore, every word that comes from the Bible can nourish us, replenish us, and help us. And I can, I can tell you that that's true for me, that when I spent time reading the Bible, it was almost like it was feasting. It was almost like you could feel the nourishment of it spiritually. It didn't fill my stomach, unfortunately, but it did feel, you did certainly feel better um, for it. Uh, so... Um, can I encourage us to try it just once a week, maybe for a month? See how you get on? Just have a go. See what happens. If you're um, physically fit and you're able to do this, um, then I'd really encourage you uh, to see what it's like. Just only drink water for 24 hours and spend the rest, spend the time you would be spending uh, on food uh, or, or making food, praying or reading the Bible. Just see what happens. Uh, so fasting is a real gift because it helps us with things that control us. Um, the second one I want to look at today is something that strikes at the heart of a dull, quiet time. Okay, So many of us will uh, have had it drilled into us at a very young age, if we were believers for a young age, or as an older believer just starting out with Jesus, that what we must do is you must spend time with God every day. Okay, Every day. Uh, preferably in the morning, because that's the holiest time of day. And you have to uh, basically read your Bible and try not to fall asleep and try and say some good prayers. And, but no one really gives you any direction about what you should do in that time. And, oh, and then they also say you should probably work up to about an hour. And you're just like, oh my goodness, how am I ever going to do more than about five or six minutes before falling asleep? So a lot of us struggle with this area of quiet times, which, which is a really weird word that isn't in the Bible. It just means time alone with God doing something, but it's not very specific. Um, and there are, is, uh, there are ways of spending time with God in a routinized way, uh, that do bring life. Now, there's real irony in here, because I found that the more routine you have, actually, the more life there is, uh, which is kind of funny, because you'd think routine would kill it. But no, actually, uh, routine is really useful. Um, so the other problem with that, uh, with, and I'm going to uh, look at specifically at prayer with this, or spending time praying, uh, is that many of us have attempted quiet times in the past. You know, I've certainly got up at 5 a.m., set my alarm, 5 a.m., I'm going to pray. Uh, 5.03, the snooze button goes off, and I'm like, yes, I'm going to pray in a minute. 6.17 a.m., and I still haven't got out of bed. And, um, and then I need to get up at you know, quarter to seven, and I, I've missed it. And then I feel really guilty, right? Um, so the other problem with that is that even if you do succeed, and you're like, right, I'm up, I'm praying. If, if you don't fall asleep and you actually manage to spend 15 minutes with God, is that I often forget how to be a believer by about 10.30. I don't know about you. It lasts around until the middle of breakfast, and then you're like, oh, um, so there's, there's a sense that you end up um, 
being, you know, living and walking by the Spirit from the hours of 6.30 in the morning to about 7.25 when the kids wake up. You know, and, and that's not really a kind of a walking with God day by day. Um, so here's a suggestion how to truly walk by the Spirit. And it's called the daily office. Okay, now this is, again, something that's really uh, very much uh, cuts through the heart of Western society. Uh, this is about praying at set times um, to continually remind ourselves of God and to live with him. So this is a very, very ancient idea. Um, not as ancient as fasting, but certainly uh, something that uh, has been part of the church history that we all uh, grow up with for at least, well, 1,500 years, probably longer than that, more like 1,800 years. This idea of spending specific times with God to pray uh, multiple times through the day. So instead of having an hour with God in the morning, perhaps, perhaps having 10 minutes with God when we wake up, 10 minutes with God when we have our lunch or around about lunchtime, and 10 minutes with God in the evening. Um, the word daily office uh, it had, comes from um, an ancient monastic orders that used to, to do this. Now, they consider their praying their main work. That's why it's called office. Office comes from the Latin word meaning work. Uh, so all of their manual labors had to stop when the daily office was, was time. You know? So uh, they considered it a good idea to pray seven times a day. I'm just trying to find, no, I don't have it here. Uh, I'll show you in a minute, uh, of how they used to do it. Now, I'm not saying that we do that, but the reason that they, uh, they did this was in order to, uh, to really focus on this idea of stopping and spending time with God so that they could live with him the entire day. You see, if you stop at 7 uh, or start praying at 6, and then at 7.20, and then at you know, 9.30, and then at 12 o'clock, and then at 2.30, and then at 5.30, and then at 7.00, it's very difficult to forget how to be a Christian in the meantime. Do you see what I mean? <laughs> now, they don't have to be very long, but the idea is that we just stop and center ourselves, remind ourselves of who God is and who we are, and then continue with our days. Um, so if monks considered it a good idea to pray seven times a day and basically prioritize that above all that other work, how about we simply build a little bit of time in our days uh, to pray. Now, it's important to note that with all of these things, we don't want to be legalistic. We don't want to set uh, bars that we then fail to hit. As soon as we start doing that and we turn it into a law, we end up back on that chasm, again, walking up the mountain, where we, if we succeed, we feel proud, and if we fail, we feel miserable. Okay, so we're not doing that. What I want to do is just suggest some ideas for how this could work. So it can be flexible on time. It can be flexible on content. You might decide to aim for four different times during the day and then miss whichever one you can't manage. Or you may just aim for two. Or you may just even aim for one, although I usually forget at that time. So really it's more than one um, in order to kind of get into the spirit of the thing um, and see the benefits of it. But, um, but really it's flexible on time, on the amount of time, and even what you do in that time. Um, the important elements are simply stopping, um, being with him, and forgetting about the business of our days and remembering who he is and who we are. Centering ourselves in his love, remembering that he is our father and that he loves us and cares about us. And no matter what else is going on in this particular day, um, he is in control. Silence. Our culture is so noisy and full of busyness. How about we just take some time in silence just to reflect and be with him during these times? And fourthly, uh, spending some time just reading a, a verse or reciting a verse that we know, um, or maybe a longer time at one point in the day. It doesn't really matter. It's really up to you. 
Um, how can you build these four things into moments during our days so that we are truly walking with him the entire time? This is a life-giving uh, discipline or practice because if you think about it, um, if we only choose to spend an hour uh, with Jesus every day and we um, go off and do other things whenever else we feel like it, Imagine how that would have translated to first century Palestine when Jesus was actually walking. You know, oh, I'm going to follow Jesus. Oh, no, I now need to go do something else. And he's off to the next village, and then you've lost him. You're like, oh, I have to catch up. Okay, I'm going to spend my time with him, and then I'm going to go off somewhere else. And then, and then he's, off, he's off somewhere else, and you end up spending two days running after him. Do you see what I mean? It doesn't really work as being a, an apprentice of him or a, a disciple of him if that's what we're doing. The disciples who really spent time with him and learned to be like him were the ones who were with him all the time. You know, so by... Praying at set times each day, what we're saying is, is simply that that's the best way of just being with him all the time and making sure that you're, you're following him around. Because Jesus never sits still. He's always doing stuff. He's always moving. He's always taking us new places. And if we only spend a little bit of time with him every day or even every week, then that can become uh, difficult to keep up. That's as simple as that. So it doesn't have to be a long period of time. It can be really short, but just remembering him and silencing ourselves, stopping, centering and just reading a verse or something just to remind ourselves of who he is and who we are is a life-giving discipline. Finally, um, this one cuts at the heart of our busyness. Uh, we are working more hours and uh, doing more things and watching more TV, I think, than we are ever uh, have done before. Um, we are hurried people and we are distracted by so many things and work never seems to stop. Um, if you have a smartphone with email on, then you are probably working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, thank goodness for Do Not Disturb. But I mean, this is a wonderful innovation. But, but to be honest, uh, many of us just turn that off because we feel like in order to be uh, the best people we can be for our employers, we have to answer an email immediately. Um, Dallas Willard said that hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life today. Okay, so what I'm talking about with this one is I'm talking about the idea of Sabbath. Sabbath, what, a, what an interesting one to choose, you might think. Um, well, Sabbath as a thing uh, is a practice that I think is the oldest of all the spiritual disciplines um, because <clears throat> it goes right back to the very first book of the Bible. So there were three things that God blessed in the very first few chapters of Genesis. Excuse me. Does anyone know what they are? What were the three things that God blessed? Okay, I'll give them to you. So the first one is people. He blessed people to have more people. He blessed us to procreate. That was the first one. He said he blessed Adam and Eve and said, be fruitful and multiply. Second one, the animals. He also blessed them to multiply and to have more animals. Okay. The third thing that he blessed, what was that? He blessed a day. He blessed the seventh day and called it holy. That's really weird. Why would he bless a day? He's blessed people. He's blessed animals. Surely he could bless the rivers or the mountains or the sun or something. You know, but no, he blesses a day um, because he realized that this practice, or God knows that this practice is life-giving. It procreates within us. Okay? It, it multiplies out its, its life within us if we were to keep it. So the idea of keeping a day that's holy to him, that's special and separate, where we don't work, we disconnect and unplug ourselves from our normal lives, 
is an incredibly powerful, multiplying, procreating thing. Okay, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy, Rick Warren said, in order to finally get us to be less effective. And the idea of Sabbath kind of cuts at the heart of that. Now, we have completely lost this idea in our culture in the last 60 or so years. Uh, Sabbath used to be completely institutionalized in the way that we are. We used to have Sunday training hours to restrict people working on Sundays. Everybody used to go to church every week, you know, and then used to have a big Sunday lunch. And then you just go for a walk. And, you know, that's what people used to do. And that just doesn't happen anymore. People live 24-hour lives. People are working all of the time. Uh, And we don't have this idea of Sabbath in our society and in our culture anymore. Um, Now, that doesn't mean that we can't do it. It doesn't mean that it's not a good idea. Um, do Do we want to disregard one of God's oldest commandments and think that it's not useful or helpful? Now, some of us might think, oh, well, Jesus didn't like the Sabbath. He did lots of stuff on the Sabbath. He was always talking about the Sabbath and saying that everyone was not supposed to be keeping it. Well, yes, there were, there were issues that Jesus had with the Sabbath, but that was more about how the people in the time were keeping it, not about the idea itself. It says in Mark 2, uh, Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Okay, and we think, oh yeah, so we, don't, we shouldn't serve the Sabbath. No, we shouldn't, but we missed the first part of the sentence where he said the Sabbath was made for man. That means that it is a gift to us. It is made for us to help us to live effective lives. So it's about taking a day every week to rest and worship. It doesn't have to be a Sunday, um, and it is not the same as a day off. Okay, it's not the same as the day that we mow the lawn or get the shopping in or you know, finally fix that doorknob. That is not what we're talking about. Uh, we're talking about a day to rest and to worship. Now, again, we're not getting legalistic here. There are lots of different ways that you can do this yourselves. Um, but I think there are four elements that should be incorporated into whatever you choose to do. Okay, so the first one is uh, stop. Okay, find a way of stopping. What can we stop for a, a day? How about stopping chores for a day? Some of us will find this incredibly difficult, especially if we're addicted to our to-do lists. Okay? No household chores, no washing. You have to do all the washing beforehand. Um, pre-prep as much food as you can so that you don't have to cook it. Get a takeaway if you can afford it or you want to. Um, or you know, find a way of making really easy to prepare food. What about buying and selling? We buy and sell pretty much 24 hours a day. I don't know about you, but I'm always on Amazon buying stuff. You know, every hour almost sometimes because I have a Prime account. So literally it just keeps coming. <laughs> That's how I shop. But it, I've never, there's no compartmentalization of that. I'm always buying and selling. How about we don't buy and sell anything for 24 hours? How about we unplug and turn off our screens for 24 hours? So we tried this in my family. My son is at the back and he'll attest to this if you want any more detail. Um, we, we decided that what we would do is on, uh, because uh, uh, we work for the church, I work for the church one day a week, so Sunday's a bad day to have as a, as a Sabbath day because I'm often doing things on Sunday. So we chose Friday 6 p.m. to Saturday 6 p.m. and we thought we would try this idea. So what I did is I went at 6 o'clock, um, pretty much on the dot, maybe five past, I um, went and I unplugged the internet router from the wall. Um, shock horror. And then I unplugged the secondary backup internet router. And then I unplugged the, the lead that connects the two. And then I turned off all of the computers. I think my computer hadn't been turned off for about four months because uh, it's just on sleep all the time. I turned them off. Um, I turned off uh, our TV. I unplugged the TV from the wall. I turned off the cable box. I turned off the DVD player. I turned off the PlayStation. Anything else? Um, oh, yes. And I took all of the phones 
So we have well, like five iPhones in our house plus an iPad. We, I stack them all up and I put them in the cupboard. Um, actually, most kids, my kids don't actually know where they were, so I probably shouldn't tell them this in case they listen. But, but um, I put them in a cupboard to, be un, to not to be discussed. Okay? <laughs> I, I, hid them. I hid them all, including my phone and including Ellie's phone. Uh, Ellie was totally on board with this idea, by the way. Um, so we, we put them all in the cupboard and we said, right, that's it. And the kids hated it. They were like, I cannot believe you are going back to the Dark Ages. They said, seriously, they usually use the words Dark Ages. And why are we doing this Muslim thing, is what one of my kids said. Um, and then another one of my kids was like, oh, not that Hindu stuff again. <laughs> which is quite interesting, isn't it? Because uh, they, they associate it with real, with, with like proper religion, which is kind of a weird, interesting thing. When I say that, I mean in the sense of being religious or following a religious order, which we don't tend to do so much um, in, our, in our kind of stream of church. But, um, but just getting back to some of those ideas of getting to God, they found really difficult. It's completely against their culture. Frankly, it's completely against my culture not to have my phone to look something up. The number of times I went like, oh, <laughs> you know, uh, probably, it was probably once every 10 minutes for the first hour or two, um, and then probably once an hour after that. Um, so, so what did we do? Well, we just lit a candle, we prayed, and, well, we didn't pray, actually. Um, we, um, we lit a candle, we said, we said grace, and we had a dinner, um, which we prepared, um, and then we were like, right, what do we do now? And everyone was sort of sitting around thinking, oh, I don't know, should we play Pictionary? Because <laughs> we didn't really know what to do. Um, so, yeah, we played Pictionary. We had an amazing time. It was so fun. Everyone was actually really engaged in the game, um, and we had a really nice evening. We just sat and chatted. And then, to be honest, there wasn't anything to do, so we went to bed. Because we didn't have any TV, you know, there's no, there's no Netflix, so we went to bed at about 8:30. You know, it was great. Um, the next morning, we got up late, and there was nothing to do. We were just like, "What are we going to do?" So we sat around a bit and chatted, um, and then we went for a walk in the New Forest. Now, I couldn't. We were, we were. I probably wouldn't do this again because I was being a bit strict. But we, I didn't have my phone um, for for the. Um, the directions. So I didn't know what I was going to do. I was like, right, I'm not using my phone at all, not even for directions. So I had to actually remember the way to get to Moores Valley Country Park from Winchester, which is actually quite easy, but I was still a bit nervous, I have to say. I was like, which junction is it? Is it the one before Ringwood or the one after Ringwood? I can't remember. Maybe I'm going to get lost. Um, and then we had to get from there to my in-laws' house for, for tea. We went for afternoon tea that day um, as we, uh, when we finished our walk. And they live in Southampton. And I was like, how do I get from Moores Valley to Southampton? I don't know. I can't remember the last time I had to check. All I remember is turn left, turn right, you know, in 300 yards. That's, that's crazy, isn't it? So, um, but then I realized, and then this was a really interesting thing that I learned. I was driving along the motorway thinking, this isn't the best route. If I had my phone, it would take me through some good route through Southampton. I could probably come off at that junction, but I can't remember how to get through Southampton in that direction. I'm probably going to get lost. So I'm just going to have to, it's going to take me another 10 minutes. And I was like, ah, I've learned something here. <laughs> The fact is that it, I cared, I, I always wanted to get somewhere the fastest. I was reliant on my phone to get me to my parents-in-law's 10 minutes early. But the fact is, as we'd said, we'd arrive at some point between 3 and 5. It was like 3.30. We had plenty of time, you know. But, but they didn't mind what time we got there. And, but I was so addicted to this idea of being there quickly or getting there. I'd miss, I was missing the journey. How often do we miss the journey in our lives? How often do we not take an extra 10 minutes and at that point, I was like, right, we're doing this again. <laughs> this is a good idea. This is interesting. Walking around Moores Valley was great. 
um, it's fascinating the number of people you sit, who, who are sitting there as their kids play on all the wooden things and on their phones. And I was like, I'm not on my phone. I'm watching my kids play. Look at me. I don't have my phone. And then I realized that I had sinned. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's interesting because I was constantly, I was able to watch my kids play, you know, and that's a blessing. You know, otherwise I'd probably have checked something or be worrying about buying something on Amazon that we needed or something like that. Does that make sense? So taking a day a week. Now, you don't have to be that draconian. You don't have to unplug all your screens. We did it as a grand experiment, and we probably won't do it to that level again, perhaps. Maybe we will. Maybe we'll watch a movie in the evening if that's what we want to do. The point is, is to stop, rest, delight, and contemplate. Okay? Find something that you do that, is, that, that you can do to stop. Find some way of resting. Find some way of delighting in something. Going out and being in a forest is what we wanted to do. Or hanging out with friends, if that's what you want to do. Maybe read. Maybe spend some time just contemplating the goodness of God in our lives. Um, And not doing chores, not buying and selling. Maybe not being on your phones. I don't know. Uh, We are so connected as people, it's very hard for us to unplug. But this gift is life-giving. I promise you that. Um, You know, we've only experienced, we've done this once. And then we've been away. So we're going to do it again. My son in the back has got his head in his hands. But um, (laughs) we are going to do this again. Um, And we want to make this a part of our lives because we think it's really going to give our family life. So, um, as I come into close, um, I have a lot of things to say about this, um, about how we can... um, uh, how we can do better, but I've run out of time, or how we can choose the right practices. Um, But I'm not going to really talk about those. The main things I'm just going to do is list, is go through them. Um... These practices depend on our personalities. They depend on our seasons of life. They depend on the need of the hour. Uh, We should probably prioritize the hard ones, the hard practices of life, and we need to do them lots of times in order to see the benefit. When I'm talking about practices, I'm talking about all of the different practices. I've talked about three today, fasting, Sabbath, and daily office. There are lots more. You don't have to do any of them, but they will give you life as we try to be like Jesus. I'm done. Should we stand? David, do you want to come back? Wow. I don't know about you, but I feel quite challenged, and that was really thought-provoking, so thank you, Chris. Loads to think about there. Why don't we just stand for a moment, and we'll just apply that to us. So is there something that Chris has said today, and he's just nudging you, saying, come on. I'd like you to try that, please. I want you to be with me. I want you to be walking closer with me. So well done for all these things. And how about we walk together in this way? So let's just spend a moment in the quiet. And dear Holy Spirit, please would you make this personal to us? Please will you show us what you want us to to be doing as a result of this? Just a couple of things that I felt people might uh, appreciate some prayer for. In a minute, we're going to call people forward. But one was that uh, some of us might be feeling a real resistance and a struggle in our hearts about this. I know that in the last couple of days, that's really been my experience, that I've been resisting. I can feel my own selfishness resisting in me, and I'm like, I don't want to do this stuff. I prefer to go and do something else. Um, So if you're feeling a resistance that you're not sure uh, why, then we'd love to pray for you. Another thing I'd love to pray for, if those of you who, who haven't actually ever really followed Jesus, you've never really answered the call, you know, he's saying, follow me to each of us, and we haven't said yes yet, and we would actually quite like to give that a go. Um, if that's you, we would love to pray for you.
Um, so why don't you come forward? Um, we have a big space up here. Um, the reason we asked you to come forward is so that you can make a step out and um, kind of say, yes, I want to do this, but also it just makes it practically easier for us to gather around and pray for people. So if you'd like some prayer, why don't you come forward? Also, if you're sick, if you'd like someone to pray for you, if you have any kind of injury or you're unwell, uh, we would love to pray for you. We believe that God heals today. And we would love to pray for you. So God is here and he loves to meet with us personally. And so if you'd like to receive some prayer whilst the band play, why don't you come forward? And if you're part of one of our small groups, if you're part of the church family here, we'd love you to come and gather and focus. They come forward to pray. Now, it might also be that you're a guest with us today. You're here on a holiday and you just like someone to pray a blessing on you. And if that's you, we would love to do that too. So now the band are going to play and why don't we worship together? And then if you'd like some prayer, now's a good time to move. Come forward for some prayer now. And then shortly afterwards, the um, refreshments team are going to be offering coffee and ice cream. And so we can continue those conversations we started earlier. But do move now if you'd like some prayer. We'd love to come and pray with you now. Let's have some folk from our life life groups. If you've got children um, upstairs with Tom doing sport, now's a good time to go and sign them out. But there's no hurry for the rest of us to go.